This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. Thank God a football game has two halves. Um, and we are really happy about the second today and not so happy about the first half, for obvious reasons. Um, we did a lot of things wrong in the first half. City did a lot of things right that the result we could see <laughs> in the first half. So we never got really in the game. We never won the challenge in the right moments. We never, and that's much, much more or much worse, we never played enough football. So I was really happy, probably most happy in my career about the half-time whistle uh, because I knew, because it's just tricky to get in contact with the players to change things. It was obviously never planned that we play like this. So we needed half-time, we used half-time and we played a really good second half. So um, if you only watch the second half, I imagine somebody missed the first half <laughs> and arrives and think, oh my God, Liverpool is really good. If somebody had to leave after the first half, I think, oh my God, um, Liverpool, who is that? So. Um, Makes sense you watch both halves and then it's fine. There would have been only a second half, I would have loved to win the game. But together with the first half, I'm fine with the point. Off the ball kicks off now on BFM 89.9. Jürgen Klopp speaking after that four goal thriller from Anfield on Sunday night. What a game that was. Uh, welcome. To Monday evening with me, Ross. This is Off the Ball uh, with the guys. The guys being Cam Razlan. Hello, Cam. Hello, Ross. Uh, Arvin Sidhu also here. Hello, Arvin. Hello, everyone. Love the Leeds United third kit that he is wearing. Very, very nice. We were just talking about prices converted to ringgit. Out. <laughs> Craig Wilkie is also here. Hello, Craig. Good evening, Ross. I think I'm going to have to start playing without a centre forward in my fantasy team the way it's going. <laughs> it seems the way to go, doesn't it? Uh, get in touch with us. Uh, it's BFM Football um, uh, on Instagram and on Facebook. And before we start, we have to congratulate our September BFM Fantasy League Manager of the Month. Congrats to Ophelia Wing, your team, Fantasy Land. It's a top-scoring team of September, so get in touch with us either through our Facebook page, BFM Football, or our Instagram page, BFM Football. Uh, Ophelia Wing and Fantasy Land. Well done, September Manager of the Month. Uh, two potential managers of the year went head to head at Anfield: uh, Jurgen Klopp versus Pep Guardiola. I'm talking about uh, what? What a high octane, pulsating encounter that was, Cam. Uh, yeah, uh, perhaps a game of game of one half, second half, fantastic. But I think that we need to say that we're being spoiled here. This is some of the the best quality football I think I've ever seen. And I'm not just talking about this match. I think across the board, actually, it's it's been really spectacular. But this match in particular, they the, uh, two teams that played different type of football, so they didn't just cancel each other out. And but when I saw the Foden goal, I thought. It's not the goal that's going to get the goal of the season, but it kind of deserves it. It was a beautifully taken goal and well worked. But then, of course, Salah comes along and and scores the goal of the season. It's, it's, I'd, if anybody ever beats that, it's going to be... Uh, well, Lionel Messi being at his absolute best could, could beat that. Um, <laughs> but, but, yeah, I mean, spectacular. It's... Um, they were both going for it. It's there was caution in the first half, but in the second half, no caution. It was fantastic. I, I don't know what to say. It was just it was just a glorious match. 
at 45 minutes, Arvin, you, you'd be, you be like, if you listen to our Friday show, you go, yeah, man, the guy's absolutely spot on. No number nine. This is what it does for you. City had seven shots on goal to Liverpool's one. They dribbled more. They passed more. They kept the ball 55% of the time. But both teams went in nil-nil. All the pundits on TV said, look, it's, yeah, they dominated it, but it's nil-nil. And, you know, you watch Liverpool come out in the second half. So that that lack of number nine still, Arvin, that's going to hang over them all season, right? It is, it is. And and for all that they did well in the first half, you, you still longed for that striker to put those chances away. Yes, there were a couple of chances. There were some good saves by Alisson. But if you had an, an actual specialist in that role, it will help them. And it's going to help. It's going to need, they're going to need that help in the big games. I'm sorry, the specialist they had Pep plays outright. So I'm thinking Kyle exactly. Walker next week up front. You know what I mean? Maybe, 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 <laughs> exactly. But but this was really, for me, a, a modern-day El Clasico. I mean, it's it's technically very good, but when you combine that with the atmosphere that the Premier League can yeah. provide that the yeah. other leagues struggle to do, that's what makes it such captivating viewing. But I thought City were fantastic in the first half. Really, really fantastic. Liverpool were very fortunate to go to go to go uh, level on on that. But give credit to City because whatever you say, yes, Liverpool came out second half better, but City needed to come back twice away at Anfield, and they did that. So for me, um, City just slightly shaded it, but I still feel as you can see the post-match comments by both the managers, they're both quite happy with that result. Uh, Liverpool, when they look back at it, they haven't beaten Chelsea at home. They haven't beaten City at home. Will this come back at the end of the season? Time will tell. But but what, what a game it was, really. Mm. If, if Phil Foden was City's standout player, then that one season wonder you've got at Anfield, Craig Wilkie, that, that Mohamed Salah chap, <laughs> what a player, yeah? I mean, first he sets up Mane with, with, a, with, a, with a superb setup, really. And then that second goal on your weaker foot, that's... The commentator was really funny. He went, that's PlayStation football. You can't do that without a joystick. <laughs> You, you almost can't. And that's the, the wonder of Salah in so many ways. And as you point out, you know, he was billed as possibly this one season wonder. I think people were surprised by the immediate impact that he made when he joined Liverpool. And he's just carried it on. Maybe last season he had a little bit of a dip in form by his own incredibly Still high top standards. scorer with the dip. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And, and the way he's come back this season, he has been by far Liverpool's outstanding player this season he's I wouldn't say he's carried that team but he's at the forefront of everything good about what Liverpool have managed to achieve so far this season and he's just so difficult to defend against because he can go either way he's, and he showed with a goal taking it with his right foot you know I think the defenders were probably feeling quite happy that they pushed him out onto that so-called weaker foot and he's come up with a, a great finish but it's it's the way he he holds on to possession in the box when he's got no right to he's got three or four defenders around him and we see him do this week after week. It doesn't always result in a fantasy goal like that, but the way he manages to hold defenders off, shrug them off, just create that little bit of space, and then he, he fires his shots away and so often he scores. He's, he's just a magnificent footballer to watch. And again, as you see, the, the assist that he had for the Manny goal was amazing. It's, it's now almost overshadowed, but it, it was such a great Slid bit of awareness. into perfection, it, that one yeah, was. Yeah, he, he plays the pass with such great weight on it. And I think Liverpool, the first half was, was poor. And actually, in many ways, it was interesting because we knew that City would come and play with a false nine, let's say. But I don't think we expected it to be Grealish. 
Hmm. That, that, that was the, I don't think Grealish the, expected it yeah, to be Grealish. I, I, I agree. <laughs> and I think it actually, it actually unsettled both sides a little bit. Liverpool weren't sure because, you know, Van Dijk, he's such a great defender, but he likes to have a big centre forward up against him. He loves that physical battle. He loves, you know, aerial challenges. When you've got Grealish playing as a, a sort of a centre forward and then dropping off or, or going out wide, and you don't really know who's going to come in and pick up in, in that position. And Liverpool were a little bit unsettled by that, but I agree. I think also City were a little bit unsure as to how to play through that. And I, I don't understand how you have one centre forward in your squad and you play him as a, as a winger. I mean, <laughs> he's, he's a centre forward, right? Or at least he used to be when there were other centre forwards at the club. Um, Harry Kane aching that, to get there to play left uh, back. Exactly. But it, it was clear that Klopp had a word or two at halftime and, and I'm sure he just wanted the energy level raised a little bit. He wanted Liverpool to press a little bit higher up the field. He wanted them to be a bit more on the front foot. And they came out and did that. And, and I think the, the disappointment at the end will be, as Arvin said, Liverpool led twice. Yeah. You know, in a, in a huge match against your rivals, if you, if you get ahead by the second time, you've really got to find a way to hold on to it and, and shut the game down. But that's where you have to give so much credit to City. You know, the, the character that they showed in terms of, they would have gone in a halftime feeling they should have been up. up by at least a goal but they went down twice and they came back and if they look back on their week they've gone to Stamford Bridge and they've gone to Anfield and they've come away with four points Pep will be pretty happy with that tough all week yeah tough all week Uh, well if the the franticness continued right to the very last minute when Fabinho must have thought oh my goodness open goal I'll have some of that and then Rodri came in with that tackle it was I mean look even if you don't like football after watching that, I don't know how you can say you not like football. And I don't care what team you support, really. I mean, you know what I mean? If you like football, you like football. All right, we go to a totally different game then, to the Saturday early evening kickoff, where Man United were held to a 1-1 draw against Everton. Uh, Andros Townsend scored a very nice second-half equaliser, um, but that was, again... Um, Failings in sides we talk about, Cam. Uh, Man United, on Friday, the guys were going, you know, that defensive midfield position, blah, 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 blah. And sure enough, Fred gave an example there of how he, okay, he missed the first tackle on Damari Gray, but it was unforgivable to chase up to him and get bundled out of the way along the halfway line for him to run along and set up Townsend for the goal. Um, But all in all, what what do you think? 1-1 draw, fair result? Yeah, there, I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of calamity built into this Man United, and uh, not really sure who they are. I don't I don't think they know it themselves. Everton, I think, showed who they are. Uh, great counter-attacking play, and you know there are four teams on fourteen points, uh, joint third, including Man United, Everton, Man City, and Brighton. And perhaps the worst of those four is Man United. Um, they. I guess it, they could come together if they if they can bully the lesser teams and get all their points there. You see, but, Cam is Cam is struggling for for words. That it, literally, that that's Man United in a nutshell. You've got the personnel there, and you go. But, but why are you? Okay, let, let's focus a little bit on Everton, Arvin. I want to talk about Demara Gray. One point six million pounds he cost from German football after he went there after Leicester City didn't want him. Um, what a signing. I mean, Rafa Benitez, what a genius. Uh, no, with each match, Rafa is looking like an excellent fit for Everton. I mean, obviously at the beginning of the season, because of his past 
where he used to manage. But right now, I think he would be hard to press finding any Everton fan that isn't happy with Rafa Benitez at the helm. I thought they were excellent. I mean, tactically-wise, Rafa knows what to do. He gets the best out of players, even though they're limited players. He knows how to get them into the next level. Besides Demar Gray, Andros Townsend, for me, I don't get how Palace let him go because Palace could use someone like him as well. And he's come in and he's done really well for, for Everton. Uh, Ducare looks like he plays with three lungs. He just keeps bursting up and down. Every yeah. time I watch Everton play, Ducare is on the screen. Yeah. Anytime. He's always there. So for me, I think Rafa has done a fantastic job with them. Uh, but 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 back to Man United. I mean, I know Cam was a little bit out, out of words just now and we're trying to figure out what exactly is going on. Ole didn't seem to be out of words because he came out after the match and said, we didn't concede many chances. We were total control and we were dominating. Everton had 10 chances in the box. They had 10 shots in the box. And, and United haven't kept a clean sheet now, I think, for about nine, nine games in this season and the end of last season. So bringing in Rafael Varane is great. You've got Aaron Wan-Bissaka. It's okay. Obviously, Lindelof has always been a challenge because he wants that Varane-Maguire partnership. But something is not working right now. And it's, it's quite obvious. And at the end of it, for me, it summed it up. You had one manager in Rafa who was barking orders and trying to get his team up and running. And you had Ole who seemed smiling and content. He seemed okay with it. And that's what I think United fans are a bit concerned. He's not getting that high, high standards that they expect him to do. So it's a bit concerning for United. Last week, losing to Villa and now drawing to Everton. This will come back to, to haunt them, I'm pretty sure, at the end of the season. Well, Man United's next Premier League match is Leicester on Saturday after the international break. Everton are in action against West Ham on the Sunday. Uh, Chelsea are proudly top of the table after what happened over the weekend. They left it late to beat Southampton, but beat Southampton they did 3-1. Thomas Tuchel's side bouncing back from consecutive defeats, Craig Wilkie. And nice to see, I mean, I'm speaking as a football fan, that Timo Werner starred in this game, had a good game. He looked happy. He was smiling, you know, and that is heartening, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Um, just just to mention one thing about a player who's struggling, though, from the Manchester United game. I mean, when are the UN going to step in for the Van der Beek situation? It's really... Uh... <laughs> I, I, I don't, you know, with Ole, I don't know whether it's stubbornness or he's got a bet on with somebody. And, you know, it's the, the it McFred. Extraordinary the McFred. Week, I don't it? understand McFred, really. Yeah. But yeah, all right, let's move on. Chelsea now, Chelsea. Let's, let's talk about Timo Werner. You're absolutely right. He He's a player that had a difficult start to his career at Chelsea. He came with a big reputation. I think a lot of people expected him to settle quicker in the Premier League, but that didn't quite happen over the course of last season. He missed a lot of high-profile chances, so he came under a lot of scrutiny and he put himself under a bit of pressure. But where you have to give him so much credit is the fact that he never complained. He never complained when he got dropped. He never put his head down. You could tell that he was one of those players who just got back on the training ground and worked hard. He accepted it, how things were going, and he, and he tried to improve himself. And I think he's still got a way to go. He's definitely not a, a first-choice necessarily selection for Tuchel right now. But when he does come in to do a job, one thing you can guarantee with Werner is that he will work his socks yeah. off. Yeah. And he did that. And, he, and, and when he does that, and he's got a bit of pace about him, he's a good footballer. Let's, exactly. let's not forget that. You know, he's got a good touch. He's got a good, good awareness. And, and he causes defenders problems. And I imagine when he's in form like that, he's a great player to play with. You'd love, to ha- you'd love to look up in midfield and see Werner running into the channels because he makes it easy for you. You know he's going to be there. He's got always willing to try and, try and look for a pass and receive it. And, and I think he got, he got the reward for that. And, and Chelsea, 
you know, they haven't been at their best in the last few weeks, right? They've not maybe that those highs that they set at the beginning. Yeah, of the questions started back, to uh, arise about Tuchel suddenly, didn't they? They've they've come down a level or two, but they got the job done. I think that was that was the important thing. It was just one of those games you have to take three points from and and move on. And and they were a little bit unlucky, you know. They had the Lukaku goal was ruled out for VAR, and then another one as well. So they it could have been a more comfortable game for Chelsea than it was but give a little bit of credit to Southampton because after going a goal down away at Chelsea it's easy for teams to collapse but they didn't and they actually they kept their shape they kept playing made it difficult for Chelsea even when they were down to 10 men they still made it quite difficult and Chelsea had to leave it a little bit late and still enjoy a little bit of luck in the latter stages in order to get that win but it's three good points for Tuchel and he'll move on it's as simple yeah. as that uh, massive plus is academy product Trevor Chalaba again uh, weighing, weighing in with a good display and a goal as well. Um, I heard that Timo Werner, Arvid, um, apparently he's had 16 goals disallowed since transferring to English football. That must be some kind of record. <laughs> it must be. It must be. But I, I champion what, what Craig says. I mean, he there's a lot of good stuff that Timo Werner does that a lot of people don't notice. Since Thomas Tuchel has actually taken on the Chelsea job, he's the player who's had the most goal involvements from a perspective of goals and assists when you put them together. So he's obviously doing something right. And a player like, like him, he the stat would probably be in his head. Any other player could have just dropped his head, not played well, got taken off. But he kept at it. He kept at it. He kept at it, and and he got his just reward at the end of it. So yeah, it's a it's a it's a it's an animated stat for him. But but it's just nice whenever you see a player that puts the effort on the pitch get their just reward, which which he did. I thought the Chelsea team overall played well, but Romelu Lukaku, for all that we we wax lyrical about him, and he's a fantastic number nine. On the night itself, it just seemed a little bit not in tune with the rest of the Chelsea squad. It seemed that he was in a different wavelength from most most of them. What he's doing right now with Chelsea is he's bringing a lot of a lot of attention where a lot of defenders are going, and it gives an opportunity for other players to play. But there were times where he didn't seem very in sync. Obviously, he's quite new, and it will take time. So that was that was my only grip about Chelsea. But otherwise, fantastic. Tuchel again, substitutions great. He brought in Ross Barkley. You got yeah. Kai Havertz on the bench. <laughs> and you bring in Ross Barkley, and it works. That that just shows he knows what he's doing. And Ben Chilwell as well scoring scoring that uh, that that nice nice last minute goal. So overall, great 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 achievement again for Chelsea and Thomas. Very German the performance of Chelsea. Uh, all right then, first break. Stick around. I'm back with more right after this. Here is the battle, which above and beyond all others is not for losing. Off the ball on BFM eighty nine point nine. The sought-after league in the world is ready for action. The division that brings you a little bit of everything returns and anything, and indeed everything, is possible. Off the ball on BFM 89.9. Hey, thanks for sticking with us. Cam Raslan, Arvin Sidhu and Craig Wilkie joining me this Monday as we ease into the October international break. Um, We talk about game week seven or six that just happened over the weekend. Seven, I, I forget. Um, Leeds United won, Watford nil. Uh, first managerial casualty of the season. Cisco Munoz sacked by Watford. Fifth manager in two years, Cam. That's how you run. I don't know what business. I'm trying to think of where you sack a lot of people. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what I mean? 
Yeah, it is actually interesting. It's not something we really talk about is the, how, how these businesses are run as businesses, especially the, the clubs which uh, suffer at the bottom of the league and are probably going to get relegated, might survive. You know, a lot of difficult choices to make there. And it's uh, it's interesting to see how, for instance, I think Norwich are going to keep the faith with their manager, um, whereas Watford uh, have decided to go for broke. Um there is always one club that I, I forget is in the Premier League. And for me, this season's winner is Watford. Uh, but uh, well, well done to to Leeds finally getting the, the, themselves going. But actually, one thing with the Leeds goal, set piece, uh, very sophisticated movement on the... Um, on that set piece, and I was watching it. It's like, what are they doing? It was it was bamboozling. Um, two players suddenly rushing across, and it, it didn't quite work out, but it did work out ultimately. But um, that that was very impressive to see that that work. And but they huffed and puffed a bit. They didn't really. Leeds weren't really doing the Leeds thing, um, not being too clinical. But I, it was encouraging to see the, the set piece anyway come together well. Yeah. Um, word is Claudio Ranieri in talks at the moment at Watford. Is he going to join the madhouse? <laughs> um, uh, yeah, for Leeds, I mean, we have to go to Arvin here, Leeds United fan. Um, it must be, well, pleasing to get the first win under the belt. Um, it could have been a lot easier. It could have come a lot sooner. But this is a Leeds side that's fighting hard. And you can see that every match, can't you? Yeah. Uh, it, uh, the, the gameplay deserved more than that one goal. It's, it, it will come to a point where after the start that Leeds had had, oh, 1-0 was all that they required in this game. They could not afford to go into the international break without winning the first seven games. So credit where it was due, I, I honestly thought that they, it was one of their best performances of the season. Dan James, for me, really looked like a Leeds player. He gave it his all. He kept getting kicked. He kept he kept uh, running at defences. So that really worked well. And this was a lead squad that was still missing the likes of Patrick Bamford up front and Jack Harrison, who's still not fully fit yet. But the key for Leeds at the end of it, you look at it, however you look at it, Diego Lorente is still their best defender. If Diego Lorente keeps fit, the stats prove that more often than not, they're able to shut up shop a little bit better. So having him is very important and quite quite a goal for a centre-back as well to, to be able to do that nice... A reaction. Right if you foot. get that kind of yeah, reaction yeah. from your centre-back, you know what I mean, in the penalty box, yeah. <laughs> All day, exactly. yes. Exactly. Exactly. And Jamie Shackleton did really well at right back as well. So Marcelo Bielsa would, would have been very pleased with the play, uh, but it's still getting over that barrier where they need to get that second and that third goal. Eventually, there will come a match where they will kind of brush teams aside. But until then, it's still a little bit nervous for Leeds. So hopefully that match kind of comes soon enough. It's a shame, Craig Wilkie, that managers don't get the VAR, do they? Because Cisco Munoz could go, Oi, we're 14th. I have seven points from seven matches. Why are you sacking me? VAR, help. It's a bit unfair, but hey, I mean, you, you can't tell clubs how they run their business. And I guess Watford think this is the right way to do it, but it, it's, it's, it's madness really, isn't it? We can tell them. That's what we're here to do, no? <laughs> <laughs> Listen in, you Italians. <laughs> no, but your point is well made. If, if he was asking the board to go and check on the monitor, they would see some decent football that Watford have played. They're not season. Norwich, they, they, you know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Some some very reasonable performances for a club that's that's come up, acquitted themselves fairly well. You know, I've been so impressed with Sar so far this exactly. season. Exactly. Um, he's been you know such a creative force for them, and they've looked 
competitive in virtually all of their games. You know, there hasn't been a, a collapse. There hasn't been some of those Norwich performances, just as you were saying, you know, where they've just looked completely outclassed, completely outplayed, completely demoralized. So there's no hint, at least on the pitch, that the players had given up playing for the manager or there was any disharmony, whatever it might be. But also, as you pointed out, Watford do have a bit of history when it comes to this. You know, it's, it's, it's not the first time that they've, they've taken surprising decisions when it comes to the manager's position. And Ranieri, of course, as we know, you, you talked about would he join the madhouse. Well, he's joined a few madhouses. Exactly. Yes, hasn't he? Might... he? Yeah. <laughs> he is quite mad himself as well. <laughs> so he might be exactly the man to come in and do that, but, but very harsh. And it, it just goes to show that being a manager anywhere, but especially in the Premier League, is, is such a difficult job. The, the pressure that these people are under and one or two bad results for anybody. We talked about Solskjaer earlier in the show. Um, nobody's immune to yeah. coming under that yeah. sort of scrutiny if, if you lose two or three games or even if performances dip a little bit. And then if you've got owners who are, <laughs> who are as difficult to please as that, then you can always find yourself in trouble. So I'm sure, though, he'll, he'll get a job again soon, Cisco, with the work that he's done there. I think he's got, you know, some good performances that you can point to and, and good luck to whoever comes in, whether that's Ranieri or, or whoever it might be. Imagine if the Watford owners own Man United. They'd be on the fourth manager already. <laughs> um, all right, let's talk about a new hero in the Premier League. He plays in the black country. Uh, they call him, his nickname is apparently The Bull. I'm talking about the South Korean striker, Hwang Hee-chan. He's got a brace as Wolves beat Newcastle 2-1 Kamraslan. The Bull is on the rise. Yeah, South Korea. South Korea, it's amazing. And because uh, his name's Hwang, so Hwang So apparently means the bull. And and also, look at his thighs. I mean, his thighs are like, I thought Stuart Pierce had big thighs. That was like 50 years ago. <laughs> the thighs have moved on since then. <laughs> and, uh, but sweetly taken goals. Uh, a lot of composure, uh, tight angles. If he, and he, he was bubbling up, he was bubbling under the last few matches. And if he is able to continue that, then, well, he would be an addition for any team. I think, well, it's early days. It's early days. We shouldn't get carried it, away. It is early days. For, for Bruno Lager, uh, he's going to hope that his side gets the much-needed momentum. You get the feeling they've got the players good enough, Wolves, to, to muck in and stay up this season, especially if Raul Jimenez continues this upward trend. He had two assists in the game. But I want to turn attention, Arvin, to uh, Newcastle United and poor old Steve Bruce. Uh, the big news for Newcastle this the week going into the game was the Premier League and the Newcastle board are in at loggerheads. They, they're trying to sue each other. Apparently, the Premier League might be have been a little bit unfair about the Saudi takeover, but that's all rumbling on in the background. Steve Bruce may not be there next week. Who knows? The fans all want him out. And they go into the international break still winless, Arvin. Uh, winless in seven. Has there been any manager in the last season, couple of seasons that we've thought has been under more stress than Steve Bruce? He is constantly always under stress. I, I feel really sorry for the guy. And last season, we, we talked about how he might get the, the sack eventually, but he did. there was a good late flourish to them. They, finished, they didn't finish close to the bottom. They did quite well at the end of it. But he just seems to be a manager that's constantly needing to prove himself and yes, going winless in seven does not help at all. Um, overall, I mean, even their goal that they scored, it was a bit fortunate because Jeff Hendrick kind of shot from outside the box, but there was mm. not that Jose Sa kind of 
got got hurt in in the build up to it. So should it should it have been allowed? But there's just a lot of players in that squad on the day itself that just don't didn't perform and traditionally don't perform for lot long periods of the season. I mean, Jolinton again, he's a passenger and he's an expensive passenger throughout his Newcastle career. He has one good game in probably ten, and that's just not good enough. Javi Manquillo, I mean, he was just he was ball watching Huan Chi Han. He's probably he was probably think thought he was an episode of Squid Game South Korean and all that. I'll watch that oh. game instead. So I mean, but it just there was just so many players on that on the day itself that just didn't do it for Newcastle. It doesn't help Steve Bruce when your players are not doing it for you. But we know how football works, Ross. At the end of the day, you can't sack the entire team. The manager's got to go. But let's see. I mean, we talked about um Cisco Munez going. I really didn't see that happening. For me, though, the manager under pressure was Steve Bruce, but he just kind of keeps going on and on and eventually probably keeps Newcastle up and doesn't get sacked again. So. Yeah. Do you know what? Newcastle can't get injured striker Callum Wilson back quickly enough, really. Um, all right, then. We go into another break and uh, stick around. More of the weekend's Game Week 7 to talk about right after this. A come-from-behind win on the road. Thanks to grit, determination, a bit of luck and two substitutes who made a telling contribution. Off the ball on BFM 89.9. That's a brilliant goal. Cool as you like. That's the finish of a man who scored 15 or 20 for the last couple of campaigns. Off the ball on BFM 89.9. Hey, thanks for sticking with us. It's the last weekend of fixtures before the October international break. Ross here, off the ball on a Monday evening with Cam Raslan, Craig Wilkie and Arvin Sidhu. Of course, you can follow us on social media. It's BFM Football on Instagram and on Facebook. And once again, we need to congratulate our September manager of the month, Ophelia Wing. Your team, Fantasyland, is the top scoring team of September well done. You win some goodies thanks to my-soccer.com. We need you to DM us your contact details. So either get in touch via Facebook or Instagram. And uh, yeah, hope to hear from you soon, Ophelia. The BFM Fantasy Football League is brought to you by my-soccer.com. Right, on with the weekend's football. We're talking about one of the teams of the season, last season's Leeds United, if you like is this season's Brentford. West Ham won Brentford to Johan Uvisa, who scored the at a time, well, uh, he, he scored the equaliser against Liverpool last time out. He, he has a habit of scoring late goals. Scored the late winner in at a time against West Ham. Broke Hammers' hearts. Um, Cam Raslan, this was a good game. Are you impressed by Brentford? Oh, very impressed by Brentford. I... Um... I said last week that they're bound to go down next season and do a Sheffield United. But um, what really impressed me is that they were, they've been designed to not just win the championship and get promotion, but been designed to survive the premiership. They haven't tried to be Barcelona in the championship and then just you know, be overwhelmed in the premiership. They've, um, I, I, just, I think that their, their style of play has been very... Is, is brand new to me in a way in terms of newly promoted teams that they're athletic they're tough um they're but they're skillful energetic at the same time very impressed and i think that they'll they'll do well they'll get found out and i'm worried for though for west ham is that um 
they beat high-flying West Ham. <laughs> when was the last time we said that? Uh, but I've always kind of felt that mm, the wheels are going to come off at some point. And could this be the beginning of something? Uh, a downward well, slide? Yeah, I mean, talk about wheels coming off. You, you thought maybe Brentford's wheels would have come off in that game because before kickoff, uh, Yanelt, Vitali Yanelt, the defender, was withdrawn, uh, injured in the warm-up. Then they had Shandon Baptiste, first half-shoulder injury. <laughs> but still, it's a squad of really well-trained players. And, and the player that takes the eye, he didn't get on the score sheet. He had a pre-assist, Arvin. Um, I'm talking about Ivan Tony. The, the, the guy is, is surely destined for a bigger club. No disrespect to Brentford. It was such a silky pass as well to Sajay Kanos. I mean, the way that he took it, it's like he First knew time, before yeah? the pass All the was way coming through. to him what, what he needed to do. So that it was just such a such a silky move that led to that first goal. But they're clearly loving life on the road right now, aren't they? Two wins, two draws, undefeated on their travels. They clearly like going away from their stadium and they do quite well at their stadium as, as Liverpool would know as well when they held them to the draw. Um, what impressed me most for Brentford is that after, after West Ham scored, Brentford had about 30% of possession but they still managed to find a way to get that winning goal. And that just shows that there's a game plan. And if the game plan doesn't work, there's many different alterations to the game plan that they can put into place. So I thought they were really good on the day. I thought Christian Norgard for me in the middle, he's just a battler. He kind of scoops up everything along. So well worth their points. And I know we, we should pay respects to the international uh, games, but the one game I can't wait after the international break is basically Chelsea going on to Brentford because that's going to be it's gonna be it's gonna be a really good game in my view, but West Ham for me just looked a bit leggy. I mean, they had the Europa League endeavors that they had. That uh, the thing is, David Moyes came out and said that we cannot, we have to accept that we're in Europe right now. People look at us a bit differently. But then I think to myself, your players looked quite leggy at the end, and you didn't really make a single substitution as well. So that's a bit something, something a bit, bit, bit puzzling of Moyes. But well done for Brentford. They're just probably everyone's second favorite team, just like Leeds were last season for everyone. Yeah, one criticism of Moyes, although Man United manager uh, fans will have a lot more than one, is that he doesn't use his bench very well, or, or he, he often very late, too late. But um, this West Ham side, Craig, they're, they're a good team, but they lack that plan B, don't they? they? They lack something else they can bring off the bench. Yeah, they do a little bit. And the question about Moyes is, he's always been quite a cautious, conservative sort of a manager. You know, that brought him some of his success in the early days with Everton. And he was very much too cautious when he took over at Manchester United. You know, I don't think he had that mentality of going out and playing that attacking football that they needed to do and imposing themselves. And to be fair, at West Ham, at spells last season, maybe even a little bit in the early stages of the season, we saw a slightly more adventurous version of Moyes. He was playing more attacking football. He was committing more men forward. But there's something just not quite right about the balance of the side. And there's a little bit too much sloppiness at either end. They're creating a lot of chances and not necessarily converting enough right now, West Ham. And I think Antonio's still playing really well. He's such a handful for defences. You know, the way he holds the ball in, the, the sort of problems that he causes in the box, he's a great, great outlet for him. But maybe sometimes he's not quite getting the service. Some of the deliveries in from out wide haven't been as great in the last two or three weeks as maybe they were in the first couple of games of the season. And then also at the back, I look at the back and you know, that's one thing that Moyes throughout his career has prided himself on is making teams difficult to beat, very compact, shutting things down defensively. But Zuma's gone in, hasn't quite settled into that defense for me. He's still, still finding his feet, still trying to work out how to play with, with some of those players around him. And, and that's just been the problem. They've struggled to put together 
a real 90 minutes performance. They might play for a spell of 20, 30 minutes and they look really good. And then they'll just step off the pace a little bit. And you can't afford to do that at that level. Even against the likes of Brentford, who are, as the guys have said, just loving life in the Premier League, they will punish you for it. And we, and we saw that even from a set piece late on. So yeah. a lot for Moyes to think about going into the international break. And he's going to have to get that team firing again if they're going to get back into Europe. That point drops West Ham down to ninth in the league table and enough for Brentford to move up to seventh on 12 points. Well done, Brentford. Uh, Crystal Palace 2, Leicester 2 was quite good fun. Leicester City were 2-0 up and they were cruising. You just thought, oh, okay, okay. Crystal Palace, Patrick Vieira, we were right pre-season. But cameras run. No, they fought back. Schlup. And uh, who scored uh, the equaliser? I forgot. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Olise. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna. Yeah, I'll eat the humble pie. I'll say I'm sorry to Patrick Vieira. I had them pegged for uh, abs- just certainty for for relegation. But they, um, it was against the run of play that that Leicester got those two goals. I mean, Jamie Vardy, he's fantastic, and. They they came back and and I realised that the the team actually that I I most look forward to watching any given weekend is actually Crystal Palace. Um, <laughs> they're they're so enjoyable and this match was fantastic. Uh, and I think that they they uh, they they have composure. They have they have what say Arsenal does not have. They have imagination. Uh, they have players who have imagination, and uh, they. I look forward to seeing what happens. I, I have become a lifelong fan of Crystal Palace. <laughs> of course you have. I tell you what, what Crystal Palace do have is a rocking atmosphere. When they got that one goal, mm. oh my Lord, the volume at Selhurst Park just raised. Amazing stuff. Must be great to play in front of that. But I mean, you've got to look at Leicester City here, Arvin, and, and wonder what's gone wrong for them this season. You know, I mean, they're supposed to kick on from last season. We were talking about maybe top four for this Leicester side, but it's all gone a bit pear-shaped for them. Yes, it's the longest, uh, it's the longest winless run for Brendan Rodgers. They haven't won in four. I mean, they've never had that run before. Uh, and, and I agree with, with Cam that the first goal was very much against the run of play. Galici and Echo kind of stealing the ball from Joaquin Anderson. Uh, and, and the question I always have for Leicester is that Kalachi Nacho always comes and seems to play well. I don't get why he just doesn't play him up front with Jamie Vardy. Yes, Jamie Vardy constantly delivers and gets the goals, but Kalachi Nacho has shown good progression in his career in the last couple of seasons. And this was his first start of the season. And I, 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 I don't get I don't get that that bit unless there's something that we don't know about. He's missing players like Wilfred and Needy, who's now out for another four to five weeks. Soyuncu at the back is a real problem for Leicester. And he's been a problem since the Euros. He's constantly out of position. He's constantly getting dragged wide. That's a big problem for them. And when the likes of Yuri Tillemans, who makes them tick, doesn't play well, it, it kind of will bode for a day where, where Leicester don't do really well. And they've had a couple of these games before. I remember when I was watching them against Norwich earlier this season, they were fortunate to come away from Carroll Road with a win. And they were quite fortunate here as well. And just to give you the, the heads up, the first goal by Crystal Palace was by <clears throat> Michael Olise, which was yeah. their signing from Reading, which was a good goal as well. So overall, Brendan Rodgers has got... If we wouldn't have said that at the beginning of the season, wouldn't it have been that, that Palace were on the upper and Brendan Rodgers slightly going on the downer, but that's how football works sometimes. It is. It's a funny old game indeed. Crystal Palace, I'm 14th. Seven points 
After seven matches, that's enough to get you sacked, Patrick Vieira, if you're a Watford manager. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, um, good good game, good game for uh, for Palace. Not such a good game for Leicester City. We go into our final break, then we wrap up uh, week game week seven for you right after this. Well, <laughs> from the shadows to centre stage, it's a stunning goal. From a player who's hardly had a touch. Off the ball on BFM 89.9. Is he going to go for power? Is he going to go for placement? He goes for a bit of both and he hits it perfectly. Off the ball on BFM 89.9. And we're back. Cameras Lang, Craig Wilkie, Arvin Sidhu looking back at the weekend's action. Game week seven saw some really, really good games. Spurs finally getting themselves a win, Craig Wilkie. Um, 2-1 against Aston Villa, a stubborn Aston Villa at that. And and yes, Harry Kane did not score. He's now goalless in in six uh, Premier League appearances, which is his longest scoreless streak in the competition since his first six games. Um, But yeah, I mean, Spurs, is it just papering over the major problems they have this win? Maybe some of it. I mean... I think Harry Kane's lost all of his confidence since he didn't score against Scotland at the Euros. And that's the... <laughs> <laughs> that's the crux that's, of it. That's, that's the ultimate failure of a number nine. Right? <laughs> but, <laughs> but this was a big, big win for Spurs. Let's be clear about that. Uh, they were under pressure coming into this game. Nuno was under pressure coming into this game, especially at home in front of fans who understandably haven't been happy of late. I'm sure there's been some grumblings around his position. And... Spurs still weren't at their best by any means, but they did enough. They deserved the three points, in my opinion. And Son, I mean, there's so much talk about Kane, but let's not forget what an important player Son is. And it's actually surprising to me that there hasn't been more speculation around him moving. I mean, what a job he could... He's often been liked with Liverpool because he's that type of player that you could imagine playing in a Klopp uh, formation or playing in a Klopp system. But he could go and do a job... You know, I wouldn't be surprised if, if Barcelona came in for him or Manchester United or anybody like that because he's, he's that talented a player and he's got so many different dimensions to his game. He's so strong. He's so direct. That's what I love about him. As soon as he gets the ball, even if it's out wide, his first instinct is to cut in towards the penalty area. And once he does that, he's got so much pace. Again, a, a little bit like Salah, he can yeah. go either way. You know, he can go onto his left foot and come in on, on his right and, and defenders must absolutely hate playing against him. And he was... He was really the one that, that made the difference against two, two sides that were you know, maybe huffing and puffing a little bit in, in the midfield, but he was the one that really made the difference in the final third with that bit of creativity. And, and Hoiberg as well, I think let's give him some credit because not only did he take the goal wonderfully well, it was such a composed finish for someone who's, who we tend to think of as more of a defensive midfield player. But he's been a bright spark for Spurs overall this season as well. You know, he's got that ability to go from box to box he can put his foot on the ball a little bit in midfield. He offers a bit of protection to the back four. So he's had a good season and he had a really good performance and, and deserved his goal against Villa. Do you know what? I, if the season had started, Pep had gone for Son instead of Harry. Do you know? You know, you, yeah, you like players who are not really what they are, right? I mean, Son's the ideal. He's, he's everything. Would he win, though, the Squid Game camera, Son? Son Hoon Min, <laughs> if he was in it. <laughs> I have not watched it. I'm too scared. I can't can't handle it. Uh, but uh, you know, yeah, it was. They won. They won. Okay, they got their three points. But 
for me it was a it was a very reduced circumstances how many years ago now since the high point of the pochettino uh years and and the new stadium and all that excitement and now they're they're really um, you know, it's, it's scraps it's nothing special if they do really well this season mid-table they won't be in europe and then come the summer they're going to be a selling club yes yeah, son who's never never a peep of any complaint out of son but yes he would probably he should go kane for sure i would even get rid of him in in the new year and uh and it's just tragic really how they've collapsed and and again daniel levy completely default this is all off field collapse yeah uh the spurs story is gonna run all season you feel but for aston villa was it just a a blip a bad day at the office arvin you you reckon i mean because this villa side they, they're not bad by any stretch of the imagination. They can hurt teams. They can go away, as they showed at Old Trafford, win a game, uh, be very organized. So, I mean, bad day at the office then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. bad day. A bit of a flat performance from a lineup that did so well at, at Old Trafford last week. I mean, it was the same lineup. It didn't make any changes. Uh, I thought they came up better in the second half. Uh, Dean Smith kind of summed it up really well. He kind of said that it was, a, it was an untidy game. It was quite a close game. The only difference is that the other squad had a player called Son Heung-min. Because I agree with, with Craig. I mean, if if Mohamed Salah is the, the king of Egypt, Son surely has to be the emperor. Why hasn't AC Milan or Real Madrid or we hear Barcelona? Why aren't they? Know. Right? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, it's just one of those things. He just seems to be someone that kind of enjoys going on doing his job. And he recently signed a new four-year deal as well. So he's kind of probably... He just seems to be someone who's quite content with what where he is and out, outperforming everyone else. But Villa on the day, I mean, there were some players that just didn't perform. Tyron Mings, he he, he kind of kicked the ball out at the end of the first half, kind of summed it up. The he Villa blows hot and cold Tyron Mings, doesn't he? He did, he did. And the funny thing is, there's a lot of funny banter going online because you go online, there's a video where the Aston Villa coach left the Tottenham Stadium and they left Tyron Mings back. So Tyron Mings was on his phone calling people and saying, can you come back and pick me up? Probably the, <laughs> the coach probably said, let's leave him back for that performance. Daniel uh, Levy Douglas... tried to sell him back. <laughs> exactly. exactly. Yeah, Douglas Lewis looked a bit sloppy at times and that doesn't bode well. But it was good for Oli Watkins. I mean, his first goal of the season. Hopefully that kind of kicks off for the rest of the season. But just, Villa have done well. They will do well. Just like you say, a bad day at the office from a squad that did really well last week, and they will have this up and down throughout the season. Yeah, D- Douglas Luiz is just a taller Fred, if you ask me. Uh, <laughs> and I mean total disrespect to Fred and Douglas Luiz. Um, now, then let's move on and talk about Cam's favorite team, uh, or lifelong team, Brighton and Hove Albion. Uh, they're flying high this season, Cam. Nil-nil draw, uh, some of the fans have seen it as a disappointing result. Graham Potter came out after the game and said it was the best Seagulls display. They literally attacked Arsenal. They just sometimes, Brighton, we know. They lack that cutting edge, don't they? Um, but, yeah, different times yeah. these days with Brighton, I, huh? I know. At the beginning of the season, if you'd said to Brighton, OK, Arsenal, you get a point. They say, yeah, well, okay, we'll take that. But but this time, at this time, they would have said that was uh, points dropped. Uh, you know, they, they weren't absolutely fantastic. But when they were good, watching them go forward, they they were the Arsenal. And Arsenal were, I don't know what they were. Um, they were playing like Arsenal. And, you know, here you have Harry, uh, Harry Potter, Graham Potter, <laughs> surely must be the next Arsenal manager. He'd got You've got to give him that that chance because uh, he was out arsenaling them and when i was watching arsenal it's like 
what's missing here? They they do all that kind of that running, that endeavor of Arsenal of old, but what they're missing is the imagination in the middle to be able to pick out the passes to 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 create something special. There's no Bergkamp, obviously, but if you're putting all your money on Aubameyang, as they have, um, he's okay. He's he's pretty good. But it's it's too much to ask for this one guy to pull everything off when they just kind of surge forward, but they don't, you know, there's not that, that killer pass. It's very disappointing. And, I, and I'd say us, uh, Brighton, though, um, points dropped, quite frankly. Yeah, uh, good, um, spot on. Because, I mean, I, I know it's a nil-nil, but but if, if you actually watch the game, uh, Brighton were comfortable and confident in possession, Craig Wilkie. They just need to, to turn those those domi- the, the dominance into goals and... You, you get the feeling they're going the right way. It, I mean, sooner or later, they're going to find some young Nigerian striker in German football that's going to bang them in 20 a season. And do you know what I mean? Then they'll work a treat. Suddenly, we, they, we're talking top 16. Yeah, that's, that is the big problem. It's been a problem for a long time at Brighton is, is the cutting edge, as you were mentioning before. And the problem, Neil Mope, you know, he, he is a centre forward, but he's almost a false nine as well because he doesn't he doesn't do that job that you would expect him to do in the box. He's he's almost more comfortable coming off and playing. And they're one of those clubs that, and I give Potter a huge amount of respect. And I agree with Cam. I think he could go and do a job at Arsenal or or somewhere else. But they almost overplay sometimes. You know, they get in and around the box and they still want to play those little passes, work those little triangles. And yeah, it's and like Trossard wants a beautiful yeah. goal. You know, exactly. all so the time. The frustration I find myself with watching Brighton is just have a go, have a hit from, from 18, 20 yards. And, and especially on a night like that, and there was a few over the course of the weekend, there were not good conditions to play in. You know, it was driving rain, howling wind. You know, the surface was really slippy. And it, it could have been a very difficult night for goalkeepers. But actually, both goalkeepers weren't really tested enough in the circumstances. Yeah. They should have been throwing balls into the box. They should have been shooting from from 20, 25 yards, just to give something. And, and we saw even in, in the Liverpool game, you know, De Bruyne, it's not a great strike from the edge of the box, but if you can get a shot away from there, exactly. always the chance of a deflection or something like that. And and it's almost as if Brighton, you know, are, are reluctant to score such a goal as that. They want they want one of those, you know, Pushkas contenders or something like that. But let's, let's also remember that they were a club that wouldn't have been expected to be up in the position that they are. After and we're now at a stage, you know, seven games in into October. The league table doesn't lie. Wherever you are in the league, you know, Leicester down in 13th, Brighton up there. You've in earned fifth. that over the yeah. course of seven. There, there's no fluke after seven games. You know, they deserve to be where they are, and they're playing some really good football. And I and I hope that they can provide a bit more of that cutting edge and they'll they'll have a really good season. Yeah, yeah. All right. Um, positive for Arsenal is that it's another clean sheet. That defense, um, since Arteta got his this run going, I think has only conceded that one goal against uh, Spurs. So Arteta will look at that and think it's a positive. Do you think he's turned the corner, Arvin, Mikel Arteta at Arsenal? No, because for all the headlines that they do against Spurs, which they were fantastic, they don't play Spurs every week. They don't play a big six every week. They play these other teams more often than not. And a lot of Arsenal's forums, and if you watch them online, everyone was saying, yeah, great, we've done Spurs, we've got the bragging rights, but the next game is the more important one. Can we show up? Can we can we get three points at the MX Stadium? And they, they, did, they didn't. I mean, to be honest, on the day, I thought they were very, very lucky to get away with a, with a draw. Yeah. Uh, they were missing Granit Xhaka at the back. 
Uh, yes, Aaron Ramsdale and Ben White has come in and they've, they've kind of consolidated a little bit better. But if there's ever a player who's fallen from grace after signing a contract, for me, it's Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang. He's just unrecognisable from the player that we knew yeah. that worked so hard for a new contract and, and where he is right now. His touch deserted him. Nothing stuck to him. Yes, he can score against Spurs and do that famous Thierry Henry celebration. But the Arsenal fans would be saying, get us three points away at Brighton. And their pass rate as well. I was looking at the stats. I think their pass rate was like 65%. That's quite abysmal because League One teams pass a bit better than that. They, they were just disappointing. And like you said, in the middle, Martin Odegaard, Thomas Partey had a poor game. If you can't control the middle, yeah. there's very little that Emil Smith-Rowe and Saka can do for you in the wings. All right. So there you go. We're not going to talk about the Norwich nil-nil against Burnley. Can you understand why? Oh. <laughs> there you go. Hang That's on. your. I got. I got. I got one thing though, which is uh, if the uh, if the uh, if the Liverpool Man City is the new uh, El Clasico, this was the El Sadico. <laughs> El Sadico. <laughs> um, all right, that that's your your football game week seven. We go into the international break in midweek. Italy versus Spain Thursday two forty five a.m. Belgium versus France Friday two forty five a.m. What are they? UEFA Nations League semi final ties. Forgot that was still going. Uh, that's it. We're out of time. I say thank you to Cam Razlan. Thank you, Ross. Thank you to Craig Wilkie. Thank you, Ross. Back to Scotland next week. Beware. <laughs> Yippee. <laughs> Look forward to the show. Uh, and thank you, uh, Arvin Sidhu, as well. Thank you, everyone. It feels so good to get the first win of this season. Thank you. <laughs> you can't see this. He is beaming from ear to ear. Have a great week, everybody. Bye-bye. Super finish. And boy, they're welcome back. They are very welcome back. Off the ball every Monday at 8 p.m. on BFM 89.9. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, the business station.